Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Muscle Fitness Health, the Ads Fitness Podcast. I'm going to call this one Cholesterol, part one of God knows how many, because uh, this topic is one that is pretty close to my heart. It's something that uh, I've gone through a process of uh, with many, many clients sort of analysing blood markers and for years going against the advice they may have received from their GPs and in turn helping them come off their cholesterol meds. Don't get me wrong, I'm not alone in doing this. There is a hell of a lot of science. There's some wonderful, wonderful people out there doing some great research, which in turn has led to people like myself who just care and are passionate about like the sort of helping people improve their health, analysing all of the data, analysing the research and, and learning from some of those minds into how to sort of implement what we know in order to help people improve their lives. Now, one of the sort of main issues with um, what we understand about cholesterol and cholesterol health is as much as anything the the perception that is given to most of us by the media um, over the course of the last sort of 10-15 years while I've been working in the industry it's actually been really nice to see a shift for the most part in doctors certainly have a better understanding than they used to um, if you go back sort of 10 years you'd go in the doctor's waiting room you see the food pyramid charts you're encouraged to eat mainly carbs and I'm not saying that's still not the case unfortunately but um, there has been a big shift you know you don't really see the sort of low um, fat adverts as much as you used to. It is now more of the low sugar concept um, that is used in marketing because there is a better understanding amongst the general population. However, why do we not have that correct information given to the masses? And don't get me wrong, there is still research going on, there is still more that we'd like to understand. And whilst, you know, Used based on the research that we do have, you know, there are certain concepts, you know, that I certainly believe to be the case. I'm going to hold off on speculating in this episode, and you know, I, th- I think I want to just give you the sort of general facts and try and keep this one to sort of a basic summary, if you like, to kind of help you guys, um, you know, understand things from a basic level. Um, but also, I, you know, I'm really passionate about the facts that I'm seeing things. It's strange that I'm actually seeing it more now, perhaps because the value people are putting on their health, but I'm actually seeing so much wrong information out there that can actually risk people's health. And that seriously irritates me. New Scientist magazine will be mentioned in this, even though I enjoy that magazine for certain other things. But there was a um, issue um, uh, going back about a month or so ago now that in my eyes, could give a perception that can really damage people's health. And I'm sure, well, we'll come on to that in this episode. But firstly, just to, you know, give a sort of general understanding as to why medical professionals, the government, would not be giving us the correct advice, I'm going to give you a little analogy, if you like, um, and and that would be with regards to tobacco, the tobacco industry. Now, if you have a look, it's only, what, 10 years ago tobacco advertising was banned, if that. Um, the science as to why cigarettes and stuff cause lung cancer, I mean, God, what, that's been around well over 50 years, you know, but it wasn't actually publicised until much, much later on. Why is that? Well, 
if something brings in a fair amount of money to the economy, then it is going to take time to give that shift because people will be going against or the governments and authorities will be basically admitting that they're wrong in the past. That's that's one thing, you know, so there's a pride at stake there. But then also, of course, the effects that these, um, you know, that, that if I go back to tobacco, you know, like I say, the benefit that had to the economy. So it's only, you know, when it's really obvious and it's everyone kind of knows the, the sort of negative effects of something like that, that, of course, at some stage, the government and health authorities have to get on board and give us the right information. We will be seeing a massive paradigm shift with regards to cholesterol over the next 10 years or so. Um, I can guarantee you of that. And one of the issues, of course, with people who actually are doing a lot of the research and you know, actually sort of analysing in the laboratories and stuff and people working on PhDs, is they may not have that kind of reach and following on social media in order to like give that to the masses and to the public. So whilst people sort of working in the fields may have, and, and not all, but may have a very good understanding, it's getting that across and getting the government to accept and make changes, which is difficult. Now, why would that be the case for something like cholesterol? Well, in the UK alone, 6 million people are on statins. Cholesterol, uh, sorry, well, shall we say LDL cholesterol? I'm going to come on more with a bit of clarification on definitions shortly as well. But um, yeah, statins are supposedly bad, quotation marks, cholesterol lowering drugs. One particular type that's just coming onto the market is expected to have a value, and this is just one type, of equivalent to what the UK spends on defence, the defence budget. That is huge. And then guess what, guys? Most of the people who will be on the boards that are creating, if you like, the advice that health organisations are giving out, um, you know, the people we have to actually get to change that opinion, the people who are elected to these boards, well... Go and do your research. You will find most of them have a lot to gain from the ill health. So whether it's um, sort of owners of pharmaceutical companies or directors from pharmaceutical companies or whether it's um, people who are making profit from agriculture and grains, um, processed foods, they are making huge profits from this misinformation. So it's not in their own individual interest to change things. That's why these kind of shifts do take time. And one of the things that I'm very passionate about with my life is trying to give the right information and trying to create that shift. Like I say, I'm not doing the research. I don't have a PhD. To be honest, I don't want to spend four years of my life like focusing on one topic. There are some wonderful people who dedicate their lives to that one simple piece of research. I want to do many things and study all the research done from many different areas to try and help improve health or lives in general of people in as many ways as I can. So whilst this one may not be focused on your physique development, it's an extremely, extremely important topic. Let's do a little clarification on some terms and definitions. It used to always be the case that when you went to the doctors, you would just simply be told your cholesterol level's fine or you have high cholesterol and that's that's supposed to be bad. Of course, nowadays we know there are many different types. Um, 
But let me just clarify on the types as well, because I am actually going to stick to the uh, sort of layman's terms, if you like, just to make this sort of description easier and, and more relatable to most people. But strictly speaking, cholesterol, there's only one type of cholesterol. You know, it's a bit like water. It's H2O. Now, whilst you can get frozen water, you can get, um, you know, evaporated water, the molecular structure is still H2O. Now, cholesterol, when we talk about different types of cholesterol, though, I'm sure you may have heard the terms HDL cholesterol, LDL cholesterol. If you haven't, then we have created a perception that HDL cholesterol is good, LDL is bad, VLDL is bad. What these stand for is very low density lipoproteins, VLDL. LDL, low density lipoproteins, HDL, high density lipoproteins. Those are the main ones. There are more as well. The lipoproteins are actually the molecules that carry the cholesterol through the blood. Not just cholesterol, they carry cholesterol, other kinds of lipids, because fat's not soluble in water. So these lipoproteins transport cholesterol and fats, triglycerides, around the bloodstream. Now, if we go back to when cholesterol was first kind of linked to heart disease, an analogy that I like to use actually with this one is to say, hey, do you notice that every time there's a crime, there seems to be police at the scene? Well, what we've actually been doing with cholesterol and still are doing is effectively saying that the police are therefore responsible for the crimes. Obviously, a correlation does not mean causation. Now, in the 1940s, when they started examining the arteries uh, where the blocks, blockages were for, in those people who had died from heart disease, there would be a lot of cholesterol. Okay, so built up in the plaques, they would always find cholesterol, a bit like the police going to the crime scene. Now, cholesterol plays so many important roles throughout our body. It's essential for hormone production. It's essential for repair. It's actually involved in the repair of, of our artery walls as well. So effectively, we always have cholesterol circulating around a bloodstream, being delivered around the body to locations that need it. Now, whilst most in the medical profession, most GPs in particular, are better educated on you know more recent research and no longer give the advice on lowering cholesterol in your diet to lower cholesterol unfortunately this does still happen in many cases the cholesterol that you consume through your diet has virtually no impact on the cholesterol that is traveling through your bloodstream the vast majority of the cholesterol traveling through the bloodstream is produced by the liver if you consume more in the diet the liver can produce a little less now, the big issue here is that for years and years and years, the advice given by doctors and by um, health organisations is to consume most of our calories in our diet from grains and starches. So we're removing the fats and removing cholesterol from the diet. When we consume carbohydrates, bearing in mind like starchy carbohydrates, we're talking about sugars, but even sort of fructose as well, we will either have to burn those off as energy, okay? So they'll circulate um, in the bloodstream in either sort of glyc- it, it, sorry, it's glucose or fructose when it comes to fruit. Now, if we burn those for energy, if we're only consuming enough that we need to burn at that time, brilliant, okay? Fructose, firstly, cannot actually be stored as glycogen. Fructose, therefore, if it is not burnt, will be stored as body fat. 
starchy carbohydrates that travel through the bloodstream in the form of glucose, if they're not burnt for energy, they can be stored in the liver as glycogen or as glycogen inside muscle tissue. So we do have storage sites for those. However, if those storage sites are full, guess what happens? That, that glycogen gets converted into fatty acids, which then travel around the bloodstream and will be stored as body fat. So that is why it's the sugars and the high carbohydrate foods or over um, consumption of calories with regards to most of them being from carbohydrates that lead to obesity that will, and this will be no doubt a topic for another show, leads to type 2 diabetes as well because we're constantly barraging the, the bloodstream with glucose and therefore um, insulin as well and the cells become less receptive to insulin. When it comes to cholesterol, it's the those lipoprotein carriers that will transport those triglycerides around the blood. So if if you're consuming a high carbohydrate diet, then the chances are that your low density lipoprotein and and particularly the very low density lipoprotein levels are going to go up with respect to the level of high density lipoproteins. Now the high density lipoproteins are those that are transporting the cholesterol back into the liver. So that's why they've sort of been given the term quotation marks good cholesterol but if the ratio of our low density lipoproteins is going up with respect to the level of the high density lipoproteins that's basically a signal that we are over consuming carbohydrates and we have too many fatty acids circulating in the bloodstream now one of the issues that I've kind of dealt with for all my career with this is that I'd have clients come to me who, even if the doctors are differentiating with the types of cholesterol and they're on the mark with respect to their cholesterol levels being slightly dangerous or, if you like, insinuating a risk, a high degree of risk of uh, heart disease because the low density lipoprotein levels are elevated with respect to the higher density lipoprotein levels, then the unfortunate thing that I've had to go through is that clients will come to me, say that they follow the advice a doctor gave, which, believe it or not, is to consume most of their calories from carbohydrates and to avoid fatty foods and particular foods such as eggs that are high in cholesterol. And guess what? Their blood markers have actually got worse. Now, in every single one of those cases, bar one or two examples it took me a while to come across my first of those exceptions and i'm saying that because i'm going to come on to those in a minute with reference to the article um aforementioned in new scientist magazine but in every other one of those cases so i'm saying like 98 percent of those cases with clients that i've worked with i have actually put cholesterol foods back into their diet manipulated their carbohydrates by way of initially lowering them and then i may introduce carbohydrates back in so um following sort of manipulation if you like of the endocrine system and insulin sensitivity so that the client can handle carbohydrates but of course certainly not as many as they were consuming before and the general advice there is effectively if you you don't need to necessarily reduce the calories obviously if you're overeating and gaining weight then that's an issue too but if your calories are okay change the makeup of the diet to like a higher fat um, higher protein approach with low carbohydrates and you will see those blood markers improve you will see the ldl go down you may see the hdl go up importantly as well if they do sort of give you that marker in a blood test you will see the blood triglyceride levels drop now let's get on to my issue therefore with new scientist magazine 
because I actually only came across my first outlier here pretty pretty recently, about a year or so ago. And when I say outlier, uh, what I actually mean is a client who I follow that approach with. And whilst all the other markers improved, so triglycerides fall in, HDL levels increase, the LDL level did not actually drop and was still above the what we would consider, you know, sort of a, a safe or, or normal level, if you like. Now, when you actually go and look at the research, and, and this is correctly um, cited in, in the New Scientist magazine article as well, there is the common consensus that you will find these outliers. It generally seems to be around sort of like two in 70 people. So we're looking at two or three percent of people who respond slightly differently to that approach whereby all the other markers improve but the LDL marker doesn't. However, as I mentioned, they're an outlier. And when you actually go and look into the research, there is actually a lot more that we can we can look into with this and it does not necessarily signify ill health. In fact, it's quite the opposite, which brings me on to New Scientist magazine the issue dated 9th of January 2021. The headline on the front cover of the magazine reads this. The truth about low-carb diets. Are they good for you or a recipe for a heart attack? And in this article, the research is like completely coherent with what I've touched on here. It mentions from a number of studies and people interviewed who've actually conducted those studies where they found outliers. And if you if you read the article, you will see it's generally they may have looked at sort of 70 people and 68 would have seen their health markers improved by transitioning to this kind of diet and two may not. And and this is kind of this is very consistent across the board and it's correctly put in the article. Now if that is the case, why on earth would we have a headline insinuating that low-carb diets could be a recipe for a heart attack? Now, yes, again, if those two outliers, if the health has become worse by following this kind of diet, and I'm saying if, as you'll see why later on, let me give you another analogy. Let's say 100 people stop smoking. And 97% of those people see their health markers improve, their risk of lung cancer greatly reduced. But maybe because of other factors, maybe they, they've changed their diet and start eating worse or something, we see for whatever reason, 3% of those people's health markers not improve. Would we then start going around saying, um, or insinuating in national media something like, is quitting smoking good for you or a recipe for lung cancer? It would be completely ridiculous. In fact, in this um, article, which is by Claire Wilson, she actually interviews or has certainly has quotes from a um, Eric Westman from Duke University in North Carolina. 
who even states, and it's quoted in the article, that it would be crazy to tell somebody not to follow that approach just because it may not work for one or two percent of people. And yet we still have that as a headline. And this is where my issue is with the article. It's not so much that the research isn't thorough, because as I say, I will go on to another marker that can be used, which does insinuate that those people who those outliers are indeed healthy. But even again, if we did not know that, it's crazy to actually put that as a headline because people will walk past this magazine in supermarkets who aren't necessarily going to read it, will sit and or understand it even if they did, will see that headline. They may have considered changing their diet. They may have issues with their cholesterol. They may sit there and talk to a friend later in the day and say, well, I actually heard that low-carb diets can be dangerous for you. So this article effectively, well, the headline is promoting ill health and putting people's health at risk. Now, I actually sent an email uh, to Claire Wilson and one of the reasons for that, well, obvious reason that I've just mentioned, but she also states at the end of her article, she's cautiously optimistic in finding another reason for those outliers that can deem them healthy. She's not cautiously optimistic because I insinuated in my email that there is another marker that we know of that has substantial research behind it that insinuates that those people are still healthy and there is another reason for their LDL levels being higher. So she did not want to ask me you know, to follow up. She did not want to um, ask for any research on this. She did not ask what the marker is. And in fact, guess what? That letter, my email was not even published in their complaints. Why? Because it's much easier to sweep it under the carpet and then to admit a mistake. So when we measure LDL cholesterol, we do not actually measure the number of the low-density lipoproteins circulating in the blood. We just measure a volume. We can still get the same reading for the LDL marker in the blood but there could be a varying number of LDL particles from person to person because they can vary in size or density if you like. What we can do though and this is something that's in in more recent research is measure another marker called APOB protein, APOB. Now in doing so we can actually measure the number of the low density lipoprotein particles Guess what happens when we measure the APOB to actually go into the number of the low-density lipoproteins? Those outliers are deemed healthy. And guess what that correlates with? Their triglycerides have dropped. So it simply means that those people have larger LDL particles. It's the triglycerides that are the 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 issue because those the triglycerides are what insinuates that the carbohydrate intake in the diet is too high and there's too many fatty acids circulating in the bloodstream. So if the APOB level is lower, the triglycerides are lower, the HDL level is higher, and the LDL level stays the same, that person is still going to be a, a reduced risk of cardiovascular disease and that correlates with all the research that I've been able to find relating to APOB protein and low density lipoproteins and cholesterol in general with regards to heart disease. So I hope this has been useful. 
you may tell that I'm on a bit of a mission with this one. This isn't the end. If anybody is listening who can help in any way get this out to, you know, a larger audience and mainstream media, please, please do get in touch. You can email me at adam at ab-fit.com. Or if you've simply enjoyed the show and found it very useful, hopefully, I really hope that this is going to be beneficial to some of you with regards to your own health. Or if indeed you know of anybody else who may be suffering um, with cholesterol health, please, please do direct them to the show. And of course, they're welcome to get in touch with me directly as well. Thank you, guys. <laughs>